Hello, everybody. This is Greg Briscoe. I am the Vice President of Recruiting at Something New and also a founding member of the Talent Champions Council. Definitely ready to get uh, down to Cut to the Chase podcast. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 71. Your success hinges on core values and value. Now, everyone that has listened to probably the 60 or some odd episodes that we have out there already, they're probably saying to themselves, okay, here he goes again. He's got another crazy title that, you know, it's just going to have some type of spin on it. Well, the uniqueness behind this particular title, not only its uniqueness, but also who I've brought forward to have this discussion with. And, you know, as we talk about success hinges upon core values, there's a couple things I'd like to basically bring up, you know, as a part of some quotes that I've pulled together. Values are like fingerprints. Nobody's are the same, but you leave them all over everything you do. The next quote that I pulled together is basically, it's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. And so to our listeners today, I've brought forth a, a featured guest. And I must say that, uh, you know, it's going to be a drum roll at the end because it's featured guests. And I'll leave a little tidbit of information. It's got the same first name as I got. So, I mean, you know, this is this is bound to be one of those classic, you know, podcasts. But anyway, here we go. Our featured guest is an innovative visionary with a passion for helping others to find and achieve success. He genuinely believes that investing in people yields the highest return on the planet. As a philanthropist, he is the cornerstone of his personal and professional relationship. He is the vice president of recruiting at Something New and founding member of the Talent Champion Council. He commits to being a humanitarian who leads and creates the, uh, excuse me, he's committed to being the humanitarian is what leads him to create the Ripple in Water podcast, where he highlights philanthropy efforts of leaders across the world. He spent 16 years in sales leadership and has been an executive leadership team for multiple organizations. He has been a successful in building high-performance teams, creating challenging status quos by embracing philanthropy as lifestyle, promoting social entrepreneurship, and investing in the success of people over everything as the core value in building key strategic partnerships. Now, there's a bunch of fun facts about our featured guests, which I'm going to weave those into our conversation but without further ado, I'd like to introduce everyone today to Mr. Greg Briscoe. Greg, do you have any opening remarks? You know, thank you so much. It's a it's an honor to be here. And, you know, if I could just every day when I got out of bed, if I could get you to give that intro, like my day would be phenomenal every single day. So thank you so much. I sincerely appreciate it. Well, you know, uh, that's been the biggest compliment that I think I have received since I started this podcast is the fact that everyone feels, you know, uplifted from the intro and, you know, we're well into our third season. You're a part of that. We're great, gracious to have you on board. And if that's something that I can continue to bring for many, many more episodes to come as well as seasons to come, then, you know, it's always a delight to do that. And, uh, certainly, uh, we're, we're, like I said, again, 
we're delighted to have you on board. And so let's kind of cut to the chase here, Greg. Are you ready? Uh, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So, you know, before we get into uh, our basically our core value uh, kind of discussion, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your backstory and a little bit, you know, regarding, you know, kind of what you're presently doing and kind of let our audience know what is something new? I mean, what is that all about? Yep. So just just giving you a little context. So I have worked in sales management and sales leadership, honestly, my entire career um, since I graduated uh, graduated college. I went to Texas Tech University. So I was in the managed IT, managed, uh, managed print, copier space. Uh, and so in that, I was responsible, obviously, for hiring salespeople, right? Growing sales organizations, hiring salespeople. Interesting enough, um, in dealing with multiple, I mean, dozens of recruiters over the years, I came across Scott McGregor, who's the founder and CEO of Something New. So I actually ended up hiring Something New when I was in my previous roles to help find uh, sales and marketing talent. So it was really, it, it was really interesting. Um, you know, as unfortunately as coronavirus kind of came to play last year, um, I found myself furloughed. And I looked back and I said, okay, I've, I've done one thing my entire, you know, my entire career, what, you know, what's going to be next, because that industry, it was already in a decline, but it was declining significantly come March of last year. So I reached out to Scott again. And uh, once again, I hired something new, but on a personal advisory side, you know, to just mm-hmm. help me gain my thoughts, collect my thoughts, understand what do I really want to look at, not only next in life, but like, let's fast forward to retirement, right? Mm-hmm. That like for Greg Briscoe. So to have someone to actually ideate with and actually, you know, think through those things, um, I utilize something new again. So it was really just a natural progression of, you know, the organization, you know, the leadership, you understand exactly who they are and what they do. Um, I, this seems like something I actually want to become a part of. So the interesting part to the story is that not only did I hire them um, on a professional level, not only did I hire them on a personal level, now I actually am employed by something new in order to help other people, you know, gain that clarity, you know, to understand, like, you can't have the moniker something new and do things completely the same way as every other recruiting firm, every other advisory firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really wanted to be a part of that. And that's why I am. That's why I am here at something new now. So at something new, we do recruiting. Uh, and we have two advisory services, one for individuals. Um, it's called Career Ideas. Uh, I call it <laughs> kind of the intersection between executive life coach, executive career coaching and life coaching because it teaches you a, a ton of skills. Um, and then another advisory service that we call Something New Labs. And that teaches organizations how to truly understand what it means when we say people over everything, putting people first, understanding that it's people period, regardless of how smart you are, how great of a product or service you provide, it's people who execute on that. So it's your number one expense as an organization, and it's the number one indicator to the success or failure uh, that you're going to have as an organization. So putting the focus and the intent on people is always the right decision. So those are the three kind of business units that something new has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we certainly uh, appreciate you uh, providing us with some insight on that because, you know, over the past several years, um, you know, particularly, obviously, me being a small business owner and working with a lot of large conglomerate uh, companies, you know, worldwide, you know, the emphasis and the owners of individuals and what they bring to the table and the value tends to be overlooked. And it's nice to hear, actually, it's really refreshing to hear that, you know, their organizations such as something new uh, that's bringing that back to the forefront. It is so strategically important that we try and find ways to kind of mend 
our broken society. And when it's all about money, when it's all about profitability, when it's all about power and those type of things, you know, people really just are not even, you know, a discussion at the table when you have, you know, those type of conglomerates out there really pushing that as a mantra for for how they succeed and how they they get ahead in their overall corporate structure and corporate society. So uh, lots of uh, kudos and hats off to to what you guys are doing there from from a recruitment standpoint at something new. So as we advance our conversation, Greg, you know, the theme here, when we start talking about core values, core values really kind of determine how you answer some of the most important questions. You know, they really highlight what we stand for. They guide our behavior and decisions and actions. And so when you know what those values are, you kind of live in accordance to those values. And these things lead to greater fulfillment. They lead to, you know, in, in ensuring that you have a way to 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 kind of carry your day to day forward. They also trigger basically internal tensions, you know, which regards to, you know, destructive habits versus regressive habits. You know, values themselves are selected or excuse me, they are not selected, they are discovered. Um, We don't choose our values, our values reveal themselves. And with that, Greg, what's important to you as we're talking about core values? Yeah, so that that's actually a very a very interesting question, and it's it's something that if anyone follows me um, on LinkedIn or any of the social channels, it's something that I speak about on a regular, a re- very regular basis. And you know, for me personally, I can attribute every lesson, <laughs> everything that I think that I know, or everything that I've learned, uh, I can attribute it to how I was raised. I can a- attribute it to you know my parents, to my older siblings. Um, you know, I'm the youngest of five, and they range anywhere from ten to sixteen years old. Older than me. So all of the lessons, all of the, you know, making sure that you're doing right, making sure that you understand the importance of family, understanding that family, you don't have to be blood to be family. There are people that I've built relationships with that I, I literally, I call you my brother, I call you my sister, and mm-hmm. you don't have to have the same parents. So understanding you know, that, that, that those relationships, uh, those familial r- relationships is what's going to drive everything forward, whether you're talking about business, whether you're talking about, you know, in school, whether you're talking about, um, you know, professionally or personally, like it's those relationships that mean the absolute world to me. And I, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I wouldn't be the person that I am today without the amazing people that have been, you know, I'm blessed to have in my life that have always been in my life that have always pushed me and held me accountable, didn't allow me to, you know, be mediocre. Uh, they said mediocrity is not an option whatsoever. And they hold me to those standards, even when I don't like it. Um, mm-hmm. Those relationships, you talk about core values, like understanding and and, and totally, um, you know, just, just cherishing those relationships and, and wanting to do everything that you can do to continue to nurture them. That you talk about core values, that means the world to me. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, certainly you chimed on something that, you know, has always been something for me that is, has been at the core of my core values as well is how you were raised. 
And, you know, that sets the tone, it sets the stage, it sets the atmosphere. I mean, it becomes the melody, you know, in your life when those values are instilled in you, you know, at a very early age, you know, and a lot of those things come down to, you know, integrity, respect, responsibility, sportsmanship, leadership, hope, service, you know, all of these faith, honor. I mean, there's just so many, the list just goes on and on. And for me, I think the one significant contribution when it comes to core values that, you know, I, I must say that, you know, it's, it's probably at the top, you know, that I can recall as a child for me. And there's a lot, you know, there's, there's, there's hundreds of these core values that I, that I kind of revert back to all the time. And one of those happens to be, you know, dependability and reliability because, you know, as a child, Growing up in Mississippi, you know, things were, they were not necessarily, as I would say, hard, but they were not necessarily easy. But you never really knew, you know, growing up as a kid, whether you were rich or poor or or any of those type of situations. Only thing that mattered was the fact that your parents did what they said they were going to do. Uh, they provided, you know, uh, shelter. They provided food. You know, they put clothes on your back and they were dependable on those core essentials, along with everything else, but those things really, really stood out. And the fortitude that I saw, you know, the perseverance that I saw with my parents growing up at a very young age, you know, which which also represented their core values was the fact of just their their unwillingness uh, to to basically give up. You know, they just had this perseverance about them that, you know, they would always try to do their best and find a solution to be able to go forward in life. And so as we talk about some of those things that, you know, we were taught as a child, you know, growing up in our home with our parents or brothers and siblings and so forth and so on, what are some of those things that that resonate to the core for you? Yeah. So very interesting question, right? So I, I, I literally just had this conversation with my mother yesterday. So my mom and I talk probably three or four times a day, every single day, as all of uh, all of us, all of my siblings do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the interesting thing is, as you speak about perseverance, you know, she, she literally just told me yesterday, she said, you know, growing up, you were one of the kids, like you never, ever, ever asked for stuff. She's like, I, I, as your mother, <laughs> as your mother, I could see things and, you know, I was, I was privy to things that you needed, but as far as like actually coming and asking for things, like you just, you were one of the people who just figured it out. Like you just did that. And so I, I nurtured you to be that person so that as you became an adult, you would figure it out. Right. So I think that there is there's something to be said for the opportunity to, you know, sometimes figure things out. I think there's something to be said for giving children, right, giving people that you're caring for the opportunity to figure things out as opposed to just giving them, you know, all of the answers. And I I think about that as far as business is concerned. And I think about that, you know, from a career standpoint. And there, you know, there have been tons of times Right, I come from an industry or my background is in an industry that there really isn't a playbook. There are not a lot of. You know, there are not a lot of role models or or 
um, you know, instances that you can draw from that said, this is how you do it. This is a script. You just have to figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. being placed in that situation early on that I had to figure things out and don't get me wrong, all of my bare necessities were definitely always met. I never went to bed hungry or, you know, never had a roof over my head. I'm not claiming that at all, but Mm -hmm. things in in growing and progressing in life, I had to figure things out. Um, So I I appreciate that, right? As an adult, and this is the conversation that I'm alluding to that I had with my mom yesterday, like I was able to go back to her and say, you know what? I didn't understand when I was going through, but now that I am an adult and looking back on the decisions that you made and how you chose to raise me, like I am so (laughs) forever grateful uh, because mm-hmm. it's allowed me to become the man that I am today. It's allowed me to become who I am. It's developed my work ethic. It's developed my ingenuity. Uh, without that that foundation, without that core, it never would have existed. So I'm I'm so beyond words. Can't even explain how grateful I am for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very well stated. You know, um, you know, as I was listening to you talk about, you know, the the gratitude and the appreciation. You know, it brings me back to, you know, the other core value that that, you know, I kind of resonate to a lot is is your is your honor. You know, it's it's your it's your badge. It's your it's your shield. It's your last name. It is how you're perceived in society. And, you know, in this story that I'm going to share with not only you, but our listeners, you know, it, it, it kind of reflects, you know, what that honor really means. You know, growing up, you know, as a child back in in Mississippi, like I said, you know, I never really had to want for anything. My parents were just outstanding, you know, uh, parents. Um, But, you know, the one thing that really, truly resonated because of our Christianity and Southern Baptist upbringing was the fact of your last name and who was your father. And in this particular case, you know, I'm going to share, you know, a short story about my father. My father was very engaged with the community, always giving, always, you know, attentive to what was going on and had an open mindness to just accepting people for who they were. You know, we never really experienced any type of color or, or discussions like that at our dinner table. But when we talk about honor, okay, it comes down to the simple fallacy of my dad instilled in all of my siblings when you leave the house, you are leaving the house in a representation of the proctor's name, which meant that, you know, back in the 70s, you know, we had like the air froze and you had the big wide tie or excuse me, the wide collar shirts and the bell bottoms and things like that. But, you know, your clothes, you know, regardless if they were new clothes or, you know, they've been worn clothes or whatever. They all had to be presentable. You had to go out of the house presentable. You could not leave the house looking like a slouch or, you know, wearing your pajamas or or house shoes or anything like that. And so people always ask me, they were like, what was so significant with, you know, you growing up that way? I said, well, by the time I went into the military, been to the Navy, I said, it wasn't a problem for me to ensure that my uniform was pressed. It wasn't a problem for me to get up and make my bed. It wasn't a problem for me to ensure that I was clean shaved because guess what? When you grow up 17 years of your life under that type of honor, that scrutiny, you know, that that core value being instilled in you every day, 
it just becomes second nature. You know, it, it's just a part of your DNA. It, it It's a part of your makeup and, and who you are. And that's how you, you carry yourself going forward in life. So what are your talk uh, uh, thoughts on that? Yeah. So, you know, I, I listened to uh, one of your previous guests, your brother, actually, and you guys had this conversation and I, I'm, I'm, I'm like jumping up and down and I'm shouting. I'm like, yes, exactly. Like you were raised in the same house that I was. Right. <laughs> so I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. You know, my my parents always said when you leave this house, you always carry the Briscoe name. Like it doesn't matter where you go and it doesn't matter what you do. It's not about you that's always going to impact or reflect back on us. So we're giving you our name. So when you go out there, be respectful of that name that we're giving you. Like that was, I'm not sure if that's just a Southern thing. I have no idea, but that was absolutely uh, instilled in in every single one of us. And, you know, thinking back, you know, going back to the whole core values. um, So, you know, my dad was actually very sick. Um, You know, he raised me when I was younger, um, like doing things like teaching me how to count, um, things that I thought, you know, teaching me geography. I thought we were playing games, but, you know, he was pulling out a map and saying, okay, this is how you go to this place. These are the freeways. This is the direction of the freeways. Like, I thought we were playing, mm-hmm. but he was always teaching me. But the, the one thing, even through his sickness, um, and he had, I, I don't know if it was early onset dementia. It wasn't actually diagnosed, but he definitely had some, some mental issues. But the one thing, um, you know, before he died... <laughs> He had slipped into a coma and he was in a coma for three days. Um, my brother, who actually has passed away now, but my brother had came in. So all seven of us, there are seven people in my immediate family mm-hmm. in a coma for those three days. The second my brother walked in, all of us were in the room together. He opened his eyes. He smiled. And 30 seconds later, he died. So I, I personally believe that he knew, like he could sense, even though he was quote unquote brain dead, he could sense that his family, the people who were important to him, the thing that he dedicated his life to were all together and they were in one place. And he was able to witness that one time before he left this earth. So I say that to you, you talk about what are some of the traits, what are the things that are passed up, what are, that are passed down, um, understanding what's really important, understanding who's really important to you, understanding that, you know, it's it's those people who are closest to you in, in this sense, family. Like we didn't have any extended family. Like it was the seven of us. And our closest extended family was six hundred miles away. So it was always us. And it always, you know, that close bond, that close knit relationship. So I when, when I when I talk about relationships and when I talk about people being family, like I mean that from my core, like from the inner of, of my being, uh, those things are super important and they always have been. And it's instances like that. Like I don't take those things for granted. I don't take relationships for granted. I don't take the fact that, you know, you and I have had the opportunity to get to know each other and, you know, collaborate on some, on some items. And I'm actually here on your podcast. Like I don't take that for granted. I genuinely appreciate you for that. I genuinely appreciate you even caring enough. You even wanting to reach out, like that means the world to me. And I think that from a business standpoint, if you come at it from that angle, you'll have way more successful relationships. You'll have deeper relationships. You'll develop friendships and, you know, the business will come, right? The money will come. That's always there, right? We all, I'm in sales. Everyone's in sales, in my opinion. Like we have to, we have to sell things, but more importantly, we have to develop relationships. And, you know, a lot of people say that, but I genuinely mean it from, you know, my, my core of my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, for a moment there, I had to pause and put my mic on on mute, because when you said 
what happened uh, with your dad, you know, at the time that all the siblings were basically by his bedside just before he passed was literally the same story that happened with uh, my father and my uh, other three siblings. I mean, it, j- just I almost identical. I mean, I I was choked up there for for just a minute, and uh, I, there's just so many similarities in in us having this dialogue and being able to collaborate. Where there's just so much synergy uh, kind of in place here that uh, it's really uplifting, you know, to to really you know be in the be in the spirit of of understanding that others. Um, represent themselves and live, you know, based on, you know, the significance of their upbringing and they hold that true, you know, throughout their day-to-day lives. And so, Greg, you know, I want to kind of flip over to something that, you know, I won't say it's necessarily a a sore spot with me, but, you know, it seems to be uh, systemically running, you know, kind of its course. And it's, you know, in line with our overall community and our lack of, you know, as we say, core values, our level of commitment. Um, you know, we tend to sometimes uh, say we want to do something. We want to jump on, you know, the, the, the next shiny star or the next uh, slice of bread, but yet we won't follow through. And, you know, I've struggled with the fact of trying to, you know, stay open-minded, be fair, be very conscientious of, of, of trying to, you know, provide those opportunities. But then, you know, it's, it's always the big letdown, you know, because like I said, they just won't follow through on their commitment. What are some of the things that you would advise to our community with regards to the importance of commitment? Because commitment is a core value. Yeah, so that's a that's a very very good question, right? And we could go so so deep, <laughs> sure, so deep to answer that. Um, I, I'm going to try to answer you as, as best as I can. Um, so so the first thing is understanding, like when you're committing, you're not really committing to anyone else. You're making a commitment to yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you if if that's an intrinsic value, if that really is one of your core values. <laughs> You have to understand and honor that commitment to yourself. If I tell you I'm going to whatever, fill in the blank, I'm going to do X, I'm going to do an event with you or whatever it is that I'm going to do, my true commitment isn't really to you. My true commitment is to me. So if I'm not willing to commit to myself, I'm never going to be able to commit to you. I'm never going to be able to commit to anyone else. So I think knowing who you are, knowing what you really stand for, understanding, like doing the work to understand these core values and understand what's genuinely important as opposed to just committing because it feels good or it sounds like the right thing to do or because a friend did it, but truly doing it for yourself. I think that's that's absolutely the key. Like I think you have to start with yourself. And if you can commit to yourself, then you're able to make those commitments to other, to fulfill, sorry, those commitments to other people and fulfill those obligations. The other thing that that allows is for you to not make those commitments because you should not commit to every single thing that's asked of you. You should, and so understanding the core values and doing the work to understand those values, that's what allows you to differentiate between, am I really going to commit because this speaks to my core values 
or am I not? Even though it might be a noble cause or a worthy cause, it doesn't speak 100% to my core values. So there's someone else out there that is more equipped to do that work and do it appropriately and commit to that work than I am. And it doesn't make me a bad person. It just makes, it means that I know who I am. Right. Right. Yeah. I, and I totally agree. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, uh, knowledge is key and, and certainly, um, you know, we should never overcommit beyond, you know, our capabilities, uh, particularly, you know, in situations where, you know, as we're talking about or, or alluding to is the fact of just the level of commitment. And, 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 and simply for me, sometimes it's just, you know, that commitment falls down to, you know, if you've, accepted a meeting to have uh, with me or with others. It's about showing up. It's about being there. It's about being on time. It's about being responsive. It's about being professional. It's about just doing your own personal uh, due diligence to make sure that you've complied with the commitment, you know, which uh, as you, as you've alluded to, you know, sometimes uh, it's just, uh, it doesn't fall out that way. And, and, it, and it's hard because we don't understand our true inner self, you know, as we look at things that are going on in our community. And, you know, if we're going to make that change, you know, it, this past year has been all about, you know, uh, change and growth. And, and, and it's just not just about black and white or, or whatever color you want to put on it or, or any biases or cultural connotations. It is simply about us trying to figure out togetherness and unity and empathy, you know, and being able to converse and live together in some type of systematic way to where it really comes down to us respecting our brothering. And, you know, overall, a lot of people go, Greg, that's a big, big dream. It's really not because sometimes to me, it's as simple as being courteous. That's how it starts. It's just simply being courteous. And you know what, people? Being courteous, you know, whether it's not on the core value list at all, but, you know, that's a part of your honor. That represents who you are as an individual. That's your character. That's your demeanor. You know, whether or not you smile, you frown, you know, this, that, or the other. Being courteous, you know, simple hello goes a long ways. And so, Greg... If I add to that really quickly, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, you know, I, I think a lot of times, and I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for other people, but a lot of times we get into the false narrative or we buy into the false narrative that what I do or what I don't do doesn't matter because, you know, some of these issues that we're, we're discussing, they are major, major issues. So mm-hmm. what impact can I make? Right. I'm not Bill and Melinda Gates. I don't have a huge foundation. So what can I make? And so that that is the whole premise behind um, two things. It's something new. We actually uh, every year we publish what we call the Ripple Report. And the Ripple Report is just uh, it's a, a compilation of all of the, you know, the charitable givings that we do both uh, individually, uh, each of us, as well as collectively as an organization. And we publish it so that you realize the whole point of the Ripple Report is that you don't have to be Bill and Melinda Gates. You have the ability to do something wherever you're at. And it could be as small as, um, you know, 
giving, uh, one of the things we do is just give a homeless bag, you know, filled with toiletries or, you know, dry food uh, to someone who's homeless as opposed to giving them cash. And that is you making an effort. And that one thing that you did could inspire someone else to do it. And could that could inspire someone else to do it. So you're just being a ripple in the water. The other thing that that speaks to um, is a, a show, a podcast that I'm actually in the process, process of starting, which is called Ripple in the Water. And that is exactly what it's going to what it's going to be focused on. It's going to be focused on, I, I don't care about how successful your business is. I don't care about how much money you made. I care about what you're doing in the community. And that's those right. are the things that I want to talk about. And those are the things that I want to spotlight because hopefully that's going to inspire someone else to do something and you're going to be that ripple in the water. So I think that the goal is to understand you don't have to solve the problem, but your 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 contribution to solving the problem is doing whatever it is, no matter how big or how small, and not looking at you know the big organizations or the big foundations. Focus on what you have the ability to do. To your point, whether it's a smile, whether it's holding a door for someone, whether it's you know unloading someone's groceries, which you know in the in the age of COVID that might not necessarily be the best idea. But I mean, you get my <laughs> like do sure, absolutely and wherever you are. Can, you can serve as a ripple and you can inspire someone else. Because if we all do something collectively, that's going to be something major, even if we're not, you know, one of the big organizations. So I, I long winded, but I agree a hundred percent with what you just said. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we got about uh, a couple minutes here and I was, I wanted to get into some of the fun facts about you. And then I'm looking at some of the kind of uh, rapid fire discovery questions and I'm kind of going between the two. So, you know, Couple of fun facts, right? That that you know we picked up on in in doing some of our research. You love zip lining, skydiving, bungee jumping, which you know I'm saying to myself, oh my god, that is extremely extremely adventurous. And so with that, you know, I guess my first question, as we kind of go into some of the uh, uh, value discovery questions, is what has been your peak experience of life? Wow. My peak experience of life. That's a great, this is truly cut to the chase because I wasn't prepared for that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My peak experience of life. Um, You know, I, I, my peak experience of life actually isn't anything super adventurous. Um, I have an aunt, uh, an aunt who passed away several years ago, but the very first time I moved to Houston or the very first time I came to Houston, well, before I moved, I was probably six years old. And I remember, mm-hmm. uh, I remember she told me, like, I was so just enamored by the lights and the people I'm from Lubbock, Texas. So at the time, a very small town, didn't have a lot of people, did never been outside. So I came to Houston and she said, when would Greg, when you grow up, you could just move to Houston and it'll be fantastic. And we'll just cook seafood and it'll be a great time. And I was like, Oh, great. So that like, Everyone says, oh, I want to move to Hollywood or I want to move to New York. Like for me, that was moving to Houston. That was my dream. Mm-hmm. Before that happened, I was still in school. I did an internship. Um, my internship was in Dallas. But I came down to, you know, she was sick. She was very sick at the time. She had lupus. She had a, a bunch of medical issues. But every single weekend I came down and I would get seafood and we would hang out and we would, you know, play cards and we would just talk like it was phenomenal. And it, it it taught it taught me once again about the things that are super important, but that that thought was always embedded in my head. 
right? You're going to grow up. You're going to move to Houston. I had the ability to spend some time with her before she passed away. Then after I graduated, I actually ended up moving to Houston. And it was the best experience of my life from, you know, the jobs to the relationships to, you know, just the experience that I've had. Like it was all I can I can pinpoint it all back to that conversation of being six years old without that conversation none of the things in the future would have ever transpired. So my most my most gracious experience is having that relationship with her and having those conversations. You know, so sure, the the skydiving, the zip lining, the bungee jumping, those are all things that I did, but without the conversation, none of those things would have ever happened. So that is, you know, my most cherished uh, memorable experience in life, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we certainly uh, we certainly appreciate um, your participation in in cut to the chase today. This has been a uh, a very enlightening and insightful uh, type of discussion. And so, Greg, we'd like to basically ask: Do you have any final remarks or any takeaways that you'd like to leave with our with our listening audience? Um, yeah. So the the only really the the biggest takeaway or takeaways that I would, you know, want to implore with everyone is a, you, you genuinely have to do the work and you genuinely have to understand who you are, like at your core, who are you? Not what does someone say about you? Not what do your friends say? And even, you know, to an extent, not even what your family says, who are you? And once you can answer that question, your life, like opportunities totally open up. They totally just explode because now you have, now you have a litmus test. Does Mm -hmm coincide with who I genuinely am or does it not? So decision-making becomes very, very simple. So I would absolutely say you have to A, know who you are, but B, just as important, if not more important, align yourself with like-minded people. That is the, in my opinion, the, the key to life, the key to success in everything that I've done is aligning myself with people who challenge me, people who understand who I am, with people who um, don't let me make excuses. That is the key to life. So mm-hmm. that would definitely be my two biggest takeaways. Understand who you are and then align yourself with like-minded. And they don't have to be who, they don't have to be just like you, but they have to be like-minded. You have to share those those thoughts, those thought processes and and have the same or similar beliefs. So Yep. Yep. Well, thank you for sharing that, Greg. And uh, as we close out, I have one final quote to kind of uh, wrap this all up for us. And the quote basically goes like this, when clearly defining your values will simplify your decision-making process and will create fertile soil for you to flourish. And so to Greg, we certainly appreciate having you on board as a featured guest for this episode. To our listeners, we'd like to say thank you for listening. And certainly, as always, be safe. God bless. And this is Gregory Proctor, Cut to the Chase, Episode 71. Your success hinges on core values. Thank you very much, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.